Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I can't live this life. Like, this isn't for me. I need to remind myself of where I come from. This is Death, Sex, and Money. I hate it when you make me laugh, even worse when you make me cry. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. But did you die? And need to talk about more. Oh, hard cash, crispy new hundred dollar bills. I'm Anna Sale. So you just you just looked at your phone. Mm-hmm. What what was on your phone? Oh, somebody sent me a donation. I'm sitting with Rashima Melson in the common room in her dorm at Georgetown University. A message just popped up on her phone. They said just a little something for the holidays to spend with your family. Keep us posted on your progress, especially if you need help. Help comes in many ways. Is that Um, from a stranger? From a stranger. I don't know who this person is. Rashima's finishing up her fall semester of her sophomore year at Georgetown. She started getting donations from strangers about a year and a half ago, when she was a senior at Anacostia High School in southeast Washington, D.C. About 99% of the students there get free or reduced lunch. Rashima was valedictorian, and she became a national news story. It's graduation day for Rashima Melson. Rashima Melson, a homeless 18-year-old. Melson lives with her family at the D.C. General Homeless Shelter. Homeless shelter, shelter, along with her mother and two brothers. Rashima Melson graduated from Anacostia High School tonight as valedictorian. And with the turn of a tassel, this young lady goes from homeless to Hoya. And me, I'm just kind of used to people walking up to me, hey, can I get a picture? So, um, you know. Really? Yeah. What do they say? They'll ask me, you know, it's always this list they have. It's like, oh, my God, are you Rashima? I'm like, yes. You graduated from Anacostia. Yes. You were valedictorian. Yes. You were in a homeless shelter. Yes. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, it's annoying sometimes because it's like, I wish you people would just stop calling me that. Like, that's I'm not the homeless valedictorian. Like, I'm Rashima Melson. Rashima's on full scholarship at Georgetown. It was a dream come true. But the transition to college hasn't come without strain. Especially because I'm so close, like one bus ride away from home. Or, you know, whatever I call that place. Yeah. What has being a student at Georgetown taught you about money? Money? Mm. Gotta get more of it. (laughs) I mean, that's... That's the best thing that I could possibly think about. What do you spend money on during the semester? I spend money on my family, which is the truth. My younger brother, he's 15. He's the only one that's left in the household. Um, and so my mom gets like a certain amount of food stamps. Um, so if her food stamps run out, you know, you know, she'll ask me, you know, hey, can you help me out? Um, it's never like a give me thing or, you know, you have to do this. I'm always like, you know, hey, do you need anything? And a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, that's not your responsibility. You need to worry about yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I get that. But me and my family, I've, I've grew up sharing meals with people, sharing one meal with like three people. That's always the way my family or me and my friends are going to be. We're always going to help each other out. Your mom's had, had trouble finding work for a long time. Is that mm-hmm. how you would describe it? I don't know what's my mom's deal. I'm not even going to speak on that, because if I say the wrong thing, oh, Jesus. 
Rashima says her mom has always relied on public assistance. Rashima's father was shot and killed when she was less than a year old. Then, when Rashima was 13, her family lost their housing. Rashima, her mom, and her two brothers didn't have anywhere to go. We were actually moving around, living here and there. Um, We got split up sometimes. Um, A couple nights we stayed on the street. And then that's when my mom... um, she was like, you know, I don't want to keep doing this. Let's just go to the shelter. And from there, maybe we can find housing. Um, so that's when we entered the shelter. When I was, I was fifteen, going on sixteen. Mm-hmm. So it was two years of moving around and having unstable housing mm-hmm. before the shelter. Yeah. While you're going through puberty, like <laughs> surrounded by your brothers, I imagine not having much space to yourself. Nope, not at all. And that's a really big stage in a female's life. It was just different for me. I think when I was younger, I would say that my family like bullied me. And I say this with a smile now, but when I was younger, it upset me so much. Um, you know, I'm the only uh, lighter skinned person in my family and everybody else is, you know, darker. Um, and they would say, I, you know, I, like I talked white and I was like, whatever. I don't, you know. I'm a kid, and I was really overweight. Um, the doctors were saying, you know, I was going to be obese. And so I was, like, put on a slim fast diet um, when I was about eight. When you were eight? I was eight. Um, it was just a lot that I went through, and I didn't, I feel like that I didn't have a normal childhood, and I didn't get the experiences that I see other people have. But Rashima always excelled as a student. It was clear that she was a good reader as a kid. By high school, she knew she needed to stand out. I remember um, my first cross-country meeting in high school. I, I passed out once I got to, like, the finish line. And I'm looking up, and those people are staring at me. I'm like, what place did I come in? Like, I don't care, like, how I'm feeling. They're like, seventh, you did so good. I'm like, I did horrible. And, like, I just, like, started crying. And I was like, don't touch me. I need to become number one. We need to run again. And I was, like, so full of emotion. And I kept saying, I'm not going to get into college from number one. I need to be number one. I need to be number one. Everybody was looking at me like, oh, my God, what's wrong with that girl? And then my coach kind of was like, come on, let's take you to the bathroom. It's like, I don't care. You know, you don't understand what I'm going through. And I was like, I'm homeless. And I live in the shelter and I need money. You know what I'm saying? And my parents can't. And I was like, my mom can't afford college. And I was like, I need this. I need a scholarship or I need my grades. And I've really had a burst of emotion that I feel like I've never had in my life. And when I even think about it now, I feel that emotion. I'm just like, yeah, I can't feel. I mean, like, what would I do? And do I want to believe that I didn't work hard enough or there's something more that I could have done? I just, I just, yeah, no, I can't feel. So, Landing a full ride at Georgetown didn't make that fear go away. It feels like an opportunity Rashima can't squander. I really don't get out much. I, re- I just study, I work, and that's about it. I can remember when I started college, just just the, the experience of all of a sudden sharing a dorm and a social life with people from all over the country and who had all sorts of different family arrangements growing up and all sorts of different income levels that they were used to. Like, what do you remember about the first weeks and figuring out who the people were that were surrounding you? That's what I didn't do. And Like, my goal here, my job here, is to just get my education and just to keep it moving. It's not a bad thing. It's not that I don't, you know, like people or anything like that. It's just 
my motives are different. And I think when people come to college, you know, I hear all about, yeah, that's social life. We're going to go to parties. Yeah, it's a lot of parties here. And on Friday night, I'm like in my bed. I'm, I'm getting some sleep because the week was just so tiring. This semester, across the country, there have been protests around the feeling of inclusion around race on college campuses, including here on Georgetown's campus. Have you felt any of that? It, like, did you did those protests resonate with you at all? Um, I didn't know about those protests. You talking about the Black Lives Matter? Kind of the Black Lives Matter, but then at University of Missouri and at Yale, and there were some at Georgetown, Georgetown around the naming of a building. You know, I'm really bad with this, and this is exactly what I mean when I say I'm so focused. You didn't really, read the news. No, <laughs> no, and that's the thing. So... Literally last night I stayed up until four o'clock in the morning. Um, I was watching. I was watching the Eric Garner video. Um, I was watching um, the Trayvon Martin case. I was just educating myself because I've been so caught up in my own bubble, worrying about how am I going to help my life. Your focus. Yeah, and I kind of had a little breakdown this semester because. You know, I want to get out and I want to have fun and I want to be able to on a Saturday not just focus on work, but I'm kind of stuck. I'm kind of in a situation where it's like, you know, you're not going back home to a family who financially supports you or, you know, you're not going back to this place where it's like you don't have to worry if you don't get a job, your dad's going to, you know, talk to a friend and get you a job. It's nothing like that. I'm the one that's pushing my family. Coming up. How feeling lost at Georgetown this semester has turned Rashima's attention back home. I think my biggest goal at the moment is just to show my family, especially my brother, that I'm here for him always. And that just because I'm at Georgetown and on this side of town means nothing. episode, a mom named Diane Gill Morris shared her story about raising her two teenage sons who are autistic. She talked about all the ways their autism has made parenting more difficult than she ever imagined. And she said if she'd known what it would be like, she wouldn't have had kids. The episode touched a nerve for a lot of you. Many of you sent in notes of support for Diane. We forwarded those on to her. One of those notes came in from a 31-year-old woman living in New York City. She has a sibling with autism, and she teaches autistic students. I'm not a parent, so I can't relate to Diane's story completely, but I never signed up to be a sibling of someone with autism either. But I'm so glad I am one. While there were certainly challenging experiences growing up, my brother is the best thing that happened to me and the best thing that is in my life. I suspect my parents feel similarly. We love him so much, but it is important to share how hard it is. Loving someone and finding joy in them and not wishing they were any different still means it's hard. For others of you, the episode was deeply upsetting, even offensive. A woman named Erin from Omaha, Nebraska, left us this voice memo. She's autistic, and she has a kid who's autistic, too. Telling the world that you wish your autistic children had never been born and that they have taken too much from you is not brave or admirable. It's hateful and bigoted and devalues the lives of disabled people. This kind of narrative actively harms autistic people by spreading the message that we are lesser kinds of human beings, burdensome to caregivers, and that the world would be better off if we didn't exist. 
We also heard from John, who's 54 and was diagnosed with autism about five years ago. In your podcast, the mom says that if she knew what she was in for before she had her boys, she would not have had them. My version of that, my wish, is that I relive my life starting over with one crucial difference. Everyone would know about autism and the ways for helping parents and their kids cope and thrive. Thanks to all of you for sharing your responses with us. We look forward to hearing from more of you about your own families and experiences. And remember that a year ago, we asked you to tell us your stories about living alone. On the next episode, we get updates on what's happened in the year since. I can no longer say that living alone is pleasing and satisfying. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. When Rashima Melson hit a wall this semester, she wasn't just worn out from studying. She was also angry about all the pressure she was feeling. I got upset. Like, I just was like, why can't I do other things? And why can't I do what other people do? Um, you know, why, why can't I watch movies all night? Or why can't I go hang out with friends? When did, when did that happen? At what point in the semester? I think it happened um, it's in October. I really felt stuck. Like, I had no option. Like, all, the only thing I have in life is this degree. Like, this degree is saving me. Without this degree, I'm nothing. Why should I be nothing? Because I don't have a degree. Like, a little piece of paper and some grades don't define me. And that's where I got to the point where I was just like, I'm not about to deal with this. And I thought to myself, I said, I need to go back to the shelter. I told my dean I want to talk to him. I was like, you know, I've never lived richly. I've never um, had, like, exquisite things. I know what it's like to be in that struggle. I was happy then and just living the life that I wanted because I was pushing myself. And now I have like all these other people on my back like, yeah, you gotta do it. No, you gotta do it. Like, and it's all this in my ear. And I'm just like, these people don't be like driving me crazy. It's interesting to me that it was that when you felt when you hit that wall, it wasn't maybe I should go out on a Friday night instead of staying in and studying, or maybe I should go out on Saturday, or maybe I don't have to do all the reading on this Monday night, mm -hmm. but it was, maybe I'm going to drop out. Like it went, yeah. it went that far. It did. Um, but it did. Like, I just feel like that's my life. I feel like People see me as that's the homeless valedictorian. She goes to Georgetown. My life is Georgetown. It's and then it's like, um, if you're not in school, then what are you doing? It really made me feel that way. Or I was just like, I don't even want to do this anymore. That feeling has faded. Rashima says she's gotten her groove back, but she's still not very concerned about building a social life at Georgetown. 
and I feel like I want to dedicate more to my family and be more involved in their lives and really, you know, instead of like, hey, should I go on a date? Which I don't go on dates. I don't know why I said that. But, you know, if I started dating someone, you know, why not take my mom out? You know, I want to learn about her. I don't know a lot about her either. I mean, I've been around her my whole life, but, I mean, I could tell you the things that make her angry. I mean, I could tell you, like, her birthday and stuff. But as far as really jumping into getting to know her, we've never shared our background stories with each other, like who we are with each other. I really, really, I want to kind of build that relationship that we never had. Was your mom comfortable with the media coverage? i say she was like 50-50, honestly. I think, like, she was happy, you know, for people to come there and say, wow, your daughter's amazing, or, you know, and just give positive feedback. And I think that really made her feel good. I think what she didn't like about it was that her friends, you know, who she she was close with, you know, they were finding out things, and she was like, you know, I didn't really want my business, you know, on display. And I think, in a sense, it was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's 50-50, You said earlier that when you were a kid, your family would point out that your skin was fairer than the rest of the family Mm -hmm. and would point out the way that you talked, like you were white. Was that in some ways kind of picking at you for being focused on school and and excelling in school? I really just think they're mean people. (laughs) (laughs) Did Um, Did you, as a kid, did you talk differently than your family? No. Um, I, I really thought I was adopted. And I was, I'm so different from them. And I see that I'm not different from them now because they, they have this, um, this stride about them, this anger kind of in them, and this, like, just kind of raunchy way. I, I, I can't really explain. Like, they're loud and boastful people. And you know what I mean? And um, I was always quiet, polite, blah, 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 you know, pleasing others, stuff like that. And now that I'm kind of, you know, experiencing these moments in life where I have my breakdowns or where I'm feeling this kind of way where I feel pressured. Um, I feel that anger and I feel that that side of me that comes out. Um, I feel the way that the tone in my voice changes. Um, I feel those things and I, then I feel close to them. And not because, like, we're feeling the same thing, but I think I feel like what it's like to actually see the real world. And now I'm like, I feel it. And, it, and it's, it, yeah, I feel it. Is there a part of you that's at all afraid that as you get your degree, as you become more successful, earn more money, that it'll be hard to stay close to your family? Nope. And I was just having that conversation the other day. Um, One day I actually did feel like I was living this Georgetown life. But, you know, the fact was that, like, you know, I was getting comfy. And when you're comfortable, you don't need to push. You know, you settle. You just relax. You're cruising. You're on cruise mode. I did not need to be cruising. And, you know, I, I went to go see my family. Somebody had just got um, killed the other day um, shooting. I just always need to go back and remind myself because that's what pushes me. If I lose my motive, my drive, the reason why I'm so determined, that's a problem. I cannot get coffee in this world. This will be over in two years. Rashima sees her family regularly. She takes the metro to the other side of town, where her mom and brother now live in an apartment. They've moved out of the shelter. Her mom and brother have also visited her at Georgetown. I remember the first, the first 
semester, because I was here for the summer as well. Um, I remember the first semester that I was here, once everybody else went home and I was still here. I didn't want to sleep by myself, so I told them to come up here and sleep with me. And they stayed with me, was it a couple days? They stayed with me, and we, like, these little small twin beds, and we just slept together. Um, I don't want to be alone. In the dorm? Mm -hmm, In the dorm. Is it comfortable when your family's here on campus with you? Yeah, I mean, like, what do you mean by that? Just, like, that they're coming from a different different part of D.C. You're the one who gets to live here. They know they have to go back at the end of the visit. I would rather be with them. Really? Mm-hmm. I Why? never want my family to feel like I'm getting better stick of things, you know what I mean? Um, and this isn't permanent. This is just something... These To this, to, to me... This is my home for the moment. Why should they? I mean, if anything, they're more stable than I am at the moment. Um, my name isn't on my mom's voucher. My name isn't on my mom's lease. Um, I'm not on my mom's health insurance anymore. So, you know, they're they're kind of good. And I'm still kind of figuring things out. Rashima Melson. She's a sophomore at Georgetown, and she regularly posts videos on her website at rashimamelson.com where she answers questions from young people trying to figure out how to get to college. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios. The team includes Katie Bishop, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. Special thanks to our intern Destry Sibley for all of her help this semester. We also want to welcome our new producer, Chester Jesus Soria, to the team. Chester was raised in Houston. He's been covering politics in New York City, but he's excited to be coming back to making audio. He's a big podcast and music fan. In fact, four years ago, he blew all of his savings to see his favorite band, Pulp, reunite on stage in London. And he says it was totally worth it. The Reverend John DeLure and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death Sex Money, or you can email us anytime with your stories or your feedback at deathsexmoney at WNYC.org. At school, Rashima has become really close to her roommate. They've lived together since their freshman year. She is really intelligent. Like, you say one thing to her, it's like talking to Google, and she just pop up, like, all these facts from you. And then she, like, I'm telling you, if you had a conversation with her, like, she would not stop talking. But she would be so interested, which you wouldn't, you wouldn't even notice the time flying. Yeah, I'm spending Christmas with her family, so. Where's her family live? She lives in New Jersey. I'm not sure which part, um, but I just know it's not the part where the Six Flags is. Because <laughs> I asked her. So, um, Yeah. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC.